Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. This is Jason Pat. Uh, Ricky is away today. He's got some Valentine's Day stuff to do with the old girlfriend. So this is going to be a special crossover episode with uh, Kevin Farragut of the Dennis Podman. That's a mostly Chicago Bulls podcast. Obviously, we will be talking about the Chicago Bulls today and uh, going into the All-Star break. We have a shit ton to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Bulls just finished up their the first quote unquote first half of the season going into the All Star break with their fifth straight win. We got Demar Drozen making history. We got injury updates. We got Tristan Thompson coming to Chicago. Watch out Rush Street. Watch out West Loop River North. All those places. <laughs> uh, Tristan Thompson is coming to town. Uh, but let's first let's welcome Kevin to our nice cr- crossover episode here. Hey, Jason. Good to be with you. Uh, glad to be joining the, the show in, in more of an official capacity, uh, unlike the my, my green room ranting. <laughs> but, Love the green room ranting. Yeah. Well, I was just, you know, we were just talking about this before we uh, started, but, it, you know, but the problem with my green room rants is that they were never as good as Ricky's rants. But it's impo- Ricky, Ricky cannot be out ranted. <laughs> it's it his, is difficult. It's, it, it's, it's his... Uh, what he was put on earth to do is to rant about the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> it really is. Luckily, these days, not as much to rant about. It's mostly just good vibes. So as I mentioned, a lot of stuff to talk about today going into the All-Star break. Bulls get the fifth straight win, beat the Sacramento Kings, new look Sacramento Kings with Demonte Sabonis there. And very entertaining game. Uh, another, I mean, Bulls, yeah. basically every Bulls game is entertaining these days because it's just a shit ton of points. DeMar yeah. going into the DeMar zone. Kobe going off, Fuchs going off, Io. We'll talk about all this stuff here. But in five straight wins, DeMar makes history seven straight games of 35 points or more on 50% or better shooting. That is a That breaks Wilt Chamberlain's record from like 60 years ago or some shit. Uh, DeMar, again, just in an absolute zone. We talked about a lot about our last pod, but uh, 30, what do you have, 38 last night, I think, 16 yeah. to 27 shooting. He's over 28 points per game for the season. He's in the MVP conversation, getting a ton of national hype now. Um, he was great. He's been great all season. He was kind of in that MVP fringe talk earlier, but now I think the hype is even getting bigger. Um, just Kevin, and Ricky went on, again, just went on great, just great talk. Just how It's like a pleasure to watch tomorrow this season. Professional yeah. bucket getter. Bucket pilled. We we talked before the season. We talked about how we were talking ourselves into getting bucket pilled by tomorrow after everyone was shitting on the Bulls. So just how much how awesome has it been to watch Demar just absolutely roast fools all season and especially lately where he's averaging almost forty a game like during the seven game stretch. Yeah, I mean it. It's you know blasphemous to say it, but it, I'm I'm gonna say it because it's true. It's the closest thing to watching late period Michael Jordan that I think I've ever seen. Um, I, you know, to be a, I don't care what people say, uh, you know, all-star voters that were whining on podcasts saying that DeMar isn't a guard, that he shouldn't have been a guard or whatever. He's a guard. Like he plays guard on offense and I don't care where they, defense is more of a team thing. Anyway, he plays basically point guard for the bulls. Uh, people call Alonzo the point guard or whatever. And the bulls list DeMar officially as the power forward, but like, I don't care like what they <laughs> list him as officially. Uh, he's a guard and to be doing anything that puts you in the company, let alone passing Wilt Chamberlain <laughs> as a guard uh, is insane. Um, and you know, the, the, the points it's, that Wilt was scoring, he was playing in an era that was much more um, fast paced. Uh, so there were a lot more possessions. And so it, that, but just makes DeMar's uh, surpassing that 
even more impressive because he's doing it with fewer opportunities to score um, just overall in the game. And Will also would like consistently play 48 minutes a game because he just, uh, you could get away with that if you were a super athlete and you were playing against guys that uh, maybe weren't uh, on your level (laughs) as athletes like Wilt. Uh, So again, anytime you're breaking Wilt Chamberlain records, um, especially as a guard, I mean, it's Joel Embiid's been in that, in that Wilt Chamberlain company on a couple of uh, weird little like, uh, stat musy kind of records uh, yeah. this year, but like Joel Embiid's a big man, <laughs> um, and uh, for Demar to be doing that, doing something MJ never did, uh, is just it's insane. And um, he aesthetically, it looks so much like uh, like late '90s Jordan that it's really to see him do it in a Bulls jersey, especially, is just like. The, the aesthetics are off the charts. The vibes are off the charts. It's, um, it's, it's great. Uh, and I, the only thing that I'm a little bit, you know, because I am Mr. Glass half, half uh, empty. Uh, the only thing I'm worried about is that the all-star break is going to take him out of this rhythm because he's like, he's been just in, in the, uh, as a, you know, my, my regular co-host on uh, Dennis Podman and, and friend of cash considerations, uh, Brian uh, Shorter has said he's in the DeMar zone. Other teams are in the DeMar zone and uh, that's a bad place for them to be. Yeah. I mean, and just comparing it to Wilt as well. Wilt was a giant human playing with much smaller humans. So like he's just scoring easily inside. DeMar is doing this on a mid a diet of ridiculously difficult mid-range shots like MJ with the footwork drawing the fouls i mean he's got the grift down on the mid-range jumpers <laughs> and he was getting pissed last night was he what he got i think he got one call on mid-range mid-range foul but there were a few even going to the basket he was getting pissed last night was he wasn't getting his normal calls but uh like the new uh, mentioned this in the last part like the new rules like have not applied to him at all he's but he was he's so crafty and he's not like ridiculously like obnoxious about it he just knows how to get these how to fool these guys and everyone keeps falling for it and he get, keeps getting these calls and hitting all these shots, getting to his spots and still shooting again. I think he's at 60, like 1% over these last seven games. I mean, 38, 39 points per game, 60, 61% from the field on all these mid range shots. I think I saw a stat today that he's at like a hundred more mid range mix than like the next closest. And I think it was Devin Booker. I I can't remember who I saw tweeted that today. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. It's he's the, so they, they only have shot location data back to the 1997 season. Um, and in the entire run of NBA, the NBA having shot location data, the only other season where a player had a hundred more mid-range makes than their next, the next closest player uh, at the all-star break was MJ in 1997. To, again, to, to the, the point I was making earlier, aesthetically, it looks like MJ. Like he's just living on this diet of insanely tough um, uh, mid-range jumpers, but they're not tough for him because his footwork is so good. Guys are playing up on him. And if they think they've taken away his, you know, his one hand, he just spins back the other way. And then he's got, Great handle, like really great handle, especially for his size. Um, guys try to rip the ball from him and like DeMar just doesn't turn it over. Like his handle is so tight. He, his footwork is so good and he just gets to his spots. He gets like his, these are tough looks, but like they don't look tough for him. I mean, and part Makes of that, obviously, that <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
but it's just it's really insane and to to make another comparison a lot of um you know bulls fans and i i think i want to shout out uh mark uh karen Sulis from uh bulls hq he, he was on the the bulls need their version of chris paul <laughs> uh for a while and you know what does chris paul do he's one of the most elite mid-range shooters ever uh he's a closer and he doesn't turn the ball over late um you know a, a few instances in the playoffs notwithstanding <laughs> um but for the most part like it, it's he, demar is serving a very similar stabilizing function for the bulls uh that chris paul is doing for the first place um phoenix suns in the western conference and uh you know it, it it's it's just crazy it's crazy to watch him right now uh there's um, and, and DeMar is doing it obviously much more with, with a lot more scoring than, uh, Chris Paul, Chris yeah. Paul, I think is like averaging, you know, half as many points as DeMar this year, but it's just in terms of like the shot diet that they live off of. It's just DeMar's volume is so much greater than Chris Paul. Um, and it's, it's wild. It, like he's actually starting to get some MVP buzz. Um, you know, I don't think he'll win it. I don't think he deserves to win it, but like, no. I do think that, um, uh, Colin McGowan wrote a really good thing for Real GM about uh, Demar and, and being in the um, shout out to Colin. By the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he wrote a thing about Demar and what it means to be in the conversation, and I really liked sort of how he he talked about it as like when people talk about the MVP conversation and how guys deserve to be in it, it's like they deserve to be recognized that they touched greatness and um, when you look back on a season, MVP votes are a are often a way to say yeah that guy wasn't the best guy in the, in the league this year but he did touch that level of greatness and i think that damar absolutely is at that level this year which is really wild yeah and that's kind of like joe noah back what was that 2013 14 when he carried the bulls on on his back both ends of the court yeah. to the playoffs like obviously he wasn't the mvp he was defensive player of the year that year but like he deserved to be in that conversation, I think he finished fourth or fifth in voting, something like that that year. And like, I think that's probably around where DeMar will be. Like, I mean, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid will probably be the top three. Steph has fallen off. Like, I think the Warriors record is very good. But I mean, the Bulls are only a few games behind them at this point. Like, I feel like DeMar should be above Steph this year. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's close. You can talk me into Steph too. But his numbers are just like, are like relatively just way down than what he used to be. And then, um, I mean, who else is in this kind? I mean, CP3, you can talk about. You can talk about. I mean, John Morant, the Grizzlies have been awesome. Uh, but I feel like DeMar should be at least close, at least right in that mix he, in that top five. He should be receiving votes on yeah. some some ballots. Like, yeah. there, there, there is enough of a case for him that he, again, he deserves the recognition. I mean, yeah. he's, I, I, I think he honestly should be, um, you know, as long as they, they let him. Uh, let the votes go the same way that they did for all-star voting. I think he should be either first or second team all NBA. Yeah, second at sure. worst, I would hope, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's wild because, you know, it was very uh, popular to say that it was the worst signing of the off season. And like, honestly, um, you know, I, I've, you know, gotten up on my, my high horse and made fun of plenty of uh, media types for, for those takes. But like, even I was like a little bit like, Oh, the, the, like we gave up Thad, who I really liked, and we gave up a first round pick and we were paying him what seemed like a lot uh, at the time. It, it seemed like a lot to me, but like, I was also kind of like, it's not my money. I don't care about the money part of it, but I was like, we gave a first round pick and Thad uh, who was under contract for another year. And like, 
that it was really good for the Bulls, like at least until the All-Star break. And then him and Vooch kind of yeah. uh, were in each other's spots a bit. But like, um, yeah, people, everybody was like a lot of people, like the supposedly sharp analysts were like, you know, that's like the worst signing. That's one of the worst deals in a long time. And it was just like, oh, maybe you don't know as much as you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had sticker shock when I first saw that the report come across what, what they were giving up, what they were giving him on the contract. I was like, whoa, seems like a lot. Uh, and it turns out that he is outperforming that by like double. He's basically playing like a max contract, 40 to $50 million player. And it's been awesome to watch. So I'm going to ask you the question that I asked Ricky. Uh, Ricky had to take on our last pod that this is the best non-Michael Jordan season in Bulls history. What do you think about that? Um, I respect the take. I, 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 I really respect the take. Um, I think that offensively I'm there. I think so. Um, I do think that you've, uh, that you've got to give some credence to, um, the, uh, Scotty Pippen season that I, I think Ricky mentioned. He did. Um, or, maybe, or, yeah. That, that was like an incredible season and people, people love to poo poo that season, uh, and act like Scotty wasn't the shit that year. And uh, because was the playoff thing, probably just bad taste in the mouth with the benching himself and all yeah, that. I probably. mean, I, I understand like he, that was a mistake. I think he admits that that was a mistake now. Um, I also get being like, I was basically the MVP of the league. Like I was at least like, a top two or three player in the league this year. And you're giving the shot to this other guy. Um, you know, like we already I had a grudge top. against. <laughs> yeah. Like he was, you know, Ku coach was emphatically not uh, Scotty and, and uh, MJ's, you know, not, not their guy. Um, and I, you know, they grew to respect him eventually, but like at that point, I think it was still very much like, you know, uh, that's Jerry Krause's kid. And, yeah you know, fuck that guy really. <laughs> uh, but like Pippen was incredible that season, both ends of the floor. Like, so I, I think I might still have that one slightly higher. The Jimmy Butler season uh, where he dragged the sorry three ass alphas. three alphas that, I mean, that was more of a two-way season, but like, if, if you want to go strictly offensive, the only other season that's even close is the, the Derrick Rose MVP year. And I just think that DeMar is, I think that, uh, I don't know. I think there's something about the aesthetics of, of what DeMar's doing um, that is just makes it slightly more impressive for me because like he does it in such a, he, his bag is so deep. Like Derek Rose, he really won by hammering you. He was like a running back going, you know, four yards a carry by just going down the lane over and over and over again. He was like Marshawn Lynch, like running through dudes' faces. <laughs> um, yeah. And Demar is like just he's got you know these pirouetting uh, step through moves that he does when guys try to press up on his uh, on his jump shot, where he like does you know he does like a couple pivots, then steps through. He's got you know turnaround baseline fadeaways. He's got. Uh, you know, his, his go-to move this year has been dribbling to either elbow and then getting to getting to either elbow or getting to the, the free throw line and just draining those shots at like 51 or, or like 52 or 53%. I forget what it is exactly right now. Um, 
I feel like I'm just talking about Demar's bag, and I feel like I sound like ball, ball don't stop. But like, I mean, it's that, true that's, Hooper bucket filled. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's true. I mean, it, 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 if you can't appreciate that, then you don't yeah. actually like basketball. Uh, and um, I, he's again to talk about like you know being in the conversation. I think he's up. This season is up there as one of the most impressive um, bowl seasons. Uh, I also think like. Uh, they didn't have the team success, uh, but like Zach's year last year was insanely efficient. Like the volume and efficiency combination that Zach had. And like, you can say, well, part of that, it was uh, empty gyms. <laughs> yeah. Empty gyms, no fans or whatever, but like Zach has been just as efficient shooting and scoring, you know, this year, he just doesn't have to do quite as much yeah. heavy lifting on a, on a volume perspective uh, because he's got DeMar and he's got a full season of Vooch now. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely up there. I don't know if I'm I'm willing to go all the way to where Ricky said that yeah. it's like, it's emphatically the best uh, non MJ season. But I mean, again, anytime you're breaking Wilt records, that's insane stuff. It's insane stuff to do. And and he's, we still got time left. I mean, we'll see where the Bulls finish the season. We'll see if they can make a playoff run. Like if Demar is like doing this shit in the playoffs, and the Bulls like whatever go to the Eastern Conference Finals or something, or somehow even get even further then I think you probably have to say definitely. So he's still got time to kind yeah. of make his well, case. Well, that's the other thing is, yes, the, the, the season isn't over, right? Yeah. And like how we how we remember this season will be colored by what happens in the playoffs. It's always what always. happens. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, the Rose MVP season, you know, they did have a, a pretty good run. They, they got, you know, stomped out by Miami eventually, but like, you know, Miami was a juggernaut. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like not that shocking. So I think people didn't like, People didn't, people's evaluation of the Rose season didn't really change up or down because they kind of like met expectations yeah. um, in the playoffs. Uh, but you know, if if Demar carries the Bulls to the to the finals, um, which is going to be tough. Uh, I don't know if this is where you want to transition into talking. Not yet. Like, Not yet. We'll talk. We're going to talk about this in a bit. I feel, wanted to stick with kind of what happened yesterday first, but we are going to talk about since yeah. we're at the break, just kind of <laughs> the, the, the Eastern Conference. <laughs> Is, the buzzsaw, uh, the buzzsaw right that yeah, is the absolutely. Eastern Conference. Yeah, tease for a later conversation down the road here, later in this pod. But I want to move past Demar. Let's talk about a few of the other guys uh, because while Demar is kind of backpacking the team, he's getting some help, uh, mainly in the form of yesterday. Kobe Whitehead, I think thirty-three. Uh, this was like his third, thirty-one or thirty-three. This is his third straight huge, third or fourth straight huge game since that Timberwolves game. Yeah. Uh, and then Vooch had another good game, and Vooch has been awesome for like the last month. Uh, and so I think the Vooch thing, I was super down on. Everyone was down on Vooch earlier this season. He's kind, of, he's kind of been more at an all-star level again. And then Kobe. I think Kobe is a guy that I feel like we were both. At least I know I've been hit or like really just like a roller coaster with him, which I think a lot of people <laughs> have. And I feel like we, we've been talking. To, we've talked about this in our DM. Kobe, and I think you mentioned this specifically. That it seems like Kobe, his, the game has slowed down for him, especially yesterday. Not just the shooting the three pointers. He, he's now up around 39, 40%, which is where I feel like he needs to be. But more than that, I mean, like his hezzies have gotten really impressive. Breaking guys got down off the dribble when they close out on him. Uh, he hit some really impressive finishes. I don't have his finishing numbers in front of me right now, but I mean, his finishing around the basket is just miles better than it's been in the past because that's been a problem for his. We'll see if he can stick because we've seen him have some good stretches in the past and then he goes into lulls and he just kind of goes up and down. But uh, last three or four games, he's been awesome. So where, where, where are you with Kobe? They don't trade him. 
They keep him around. He's helped them with his five-game winning streak. Where are you with him? Where do you see him as part of a playoff rotation or the rotation when everyone gets back? How much do you see him playing? Because I've, I've kind of I've been like, like, is he going to play much? And then I talked myself into it in last pod. Like, this guy is a guy, if he can go off and go on these heaters, like, yeah, he's got to play for you. So, like, it's going to be interesting yeah. to have all these guys available. So where are you on Kobe and his spot in this rotation when they're, everyone's healthy? As hopefully everyone gets healthy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've been really impressed with Kobe. I, I think so. One of the things with Kobe that was part of that roller coaster feeling that you described with him was that uh, Kobe was very much a guy who, if he was making shots, he would help you. And if he wasn't, he wasn't bringing anything else to the table. He wasn't doing any of the stuff that travels. He wasn't playing defense. He didn't have uh, much vision or playmaking. Um, he just, a lot of the, and a lot of the, like the little things he also was like not really doing. I think he's always been a pretty good rebounder. So for a guard, um, but like, you know, just a lot of like the, the smaller new, nuances and dribbles the making quick decisions the all the like little stuff that like makes an offense just a little bit better uh by doing it even if you're not making shots um you know making quick decisions i think is like the biggest one because like if kobe made a quick decision uh in the past it was like often not a good thing because it was like he would make a lot of mistakes if he didn't think about it for a second but if you give defenses a chance uh to recover while you're thinking in the NBA, like those windows disappear so quickly. And I just think that he's like, you know, I said it in the DM and you mentioned it, like things have slowed down for him. I think some of it is role um, for sure, because he's not being asked to break down a set defense uh, because Kobe does. I mean, even, even with some of the improvements he's made, Kobe doesn't really have that in his game. Like he's not a guy that you want to be, attacking a set defense that hasn't been scrambled by a primary initiator. Um, but he is really good now as a, you know, guy that's attacking um, as a secondary or, or tertiary option when defenses are panicked by, you know, the uh, DeMar Vooch pick and roll. Um, uh, Nikias Duncan just wrote a, a good piece about the DeMar Vooch uh, pick and roll um, where he showed a bunch of clips from, the uh the game that they had against the spurs and uh showed some of the plays where kobe specifically was a beneficiary off of that uh and you know he he's really learned how to play a complementary style his defensive effort has been way better his defensive awareness has been way better he i'm not gonna i'm not here to tell you that he's like a plus impact defensive player but like the effort is so much better his understanding of rotations is so much better. I think it was, I don't know if it was uh, last game or the game before, but uh, Stefan, uh, Stefano from the sporting news and uh, you know, formerly uh, the best bulls uh, bulls writer going. And now he writes about the, the whole NBA. He, he was in our DM and he, he you know, pointed out that uh, Kobe was pushing IO to make the right rotation because uh, IO had screwed up a rotation, like a low man rotation. And Kobe was like trying to push him in the direction of it's like that kind of awareness was just not something that Kobe had, uh, you know, even at the start of this year, um, he had to like figure out where he was, where he needed to be both on offense and defense uh, coming back from that injury. And he's just really, 
the learning curve this year has been pretty stark and um, I'm not really sure what made it click for him. I don't know if it's just this reduced role. Uh, I don't know if it's just like some guys just look way better if they have better teammates. Um, but you know, kudos to Kobe. He's been, he's been really good. I think as far as role for the playoffs, I think he's got to be 20, 25 minutes a night. Like I, I think that he is, uh, he's so important to their bench scoring units, uh, like the, to their bench and getting scoring. Cause like they don't have, um, a ton of offensive firepower with their, their bench unit. Um, I mean, I always come a long way and, you know, he's really become, uh, quite the, um, you know, the, the dimesman. So he, he helps that, uh, bench unit. Um, and, and they've, but they have relied a ton on DeMar, uh, to, to float those bench units. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that's asking a lot to, for DeMar to play, you know, to be the primary guy on the, the starting unit and the, and the bench units. So I, I think they're going to need Kobe's scoring juice. And like, I think, I can't remember if it was you or Ricky that said it on your last episode, but um, having a high variance guy like that in the playoffs is, uh, is good. And I think Kobe has, by doing more of the stuff that travels, even when the shot's not going, I think he's uh, brought his, his floor up. Right. So like there's more like you're getting more of the uh, the upside of the variance without as much of the downside, which is like that's huge for his overall value. Yeah, absolutely. So in the play, like, I'm, I am curious to see how they manage. Io. I mean, I was playing huge minutes. He's a rookie. I do wonder if he's going to hit some type of a wall and if they go to Kobe more in the playoffs. I don't know. But I has been great. I mean, we, we were talking before we came on. Here's a stat where he's like, what? was it one of three guys or third on a list? What was the stat where he's like shooting above 50% overall above 40% from three on a certain, like 300 some attempts. He's like right there with like cat and drew holiday. The other guy. Yeah. Him. uh, So it was cat was the first on the list. Drew holiday was number two. And, and then, uh, and then I was the only, the third guy. Those were the three guys. That's the list of guys that are, on 300 field goal attempts or more uh, are at 50% from uh, 50% from the field and 40% from three, which is insane. I mean, that's like insane. And it's funny though, that it's, uh, that it's true holiday. That is one of the guys, the other guys, because I know we'd been tossing around in the DM, you know, some comps, comps for IO. And I can't remember who said it first. So apologies uh, for not giving proper attribution, but somebody in there said uh, Drew holiday. And you know, that's a pretty good one. I, I think that's not bad. I mean, I was actually a bit bigger than drew though. Um, he's not, I don't think he's quite as rugged, but he's also yeah, not, much maybe not as strong. Yet, yeah. At least I mean, he's got time to put weight on. I mean, drew, yeah. Drew is obviously one of the best on ball defenders in the NBA. I has had his moments there. I know, I know Steph likes to point out when he, uh, screws up off the ball in his rotations and you just mentioned how kobe was like hey point pushing him to like get into a specific spot that's that's rookie stuff though he's a rookie pretty normal yeah and i mean obviously just way better than we could have expected getting him at 38 uh so yeah i think it's ultimately uh back to kobe like it's going to be interesting to see how billy assuming hopefully everyone is back you have lonzo zach caruso uh io kobe i mean you got all these guards i mean they're probably going to play really small a lot uh, so maybe he'll be able to find all these minutes for a bunch of guys. Uh, it's a good problem to have. Now he's just got, these guys got to get healthy. And on that note, there was good news on the injury front yesterday. We have good news on Zach Levine, good news on Alex Crusoe. Zach went to that specialist out in California, 
got some knee uh, some uh, fluid drained from his knee. No structural damage. That is huge. It does sound like he's going to play in the all-star game, do his all-star stuff, which still not crazy about him playing in the all-star game, but I mean, he's just going to run some laps, I guess, and maybe throw down a dunk and shoot some threes. Hopefully nothing there cleared to play. The specialist said he's, he's fine. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he'll, it was really painful watching him in that Timberwolves game. You could clearly tell he was not right. So I, I feel like I'd prefer him just like take this week off and just like let it rest and hopefully come back healthy. But either way, the fact that there's no structural damage is great because once I saw like specialists getting another opinion, I immediately thought the Lonzo thing, like, Oh, knee soreness, torn meniscus. Like he's going to need surgery or he's going to have to play through this the rest of the year. And that's just going to make him much worse. We saw how he was against the Timberwolves. Caruso will be dribbling and shooting in the next week to 10 days. So hopefully that means he won't be back soon uh, or that long after the all-star break. I, I would assume, I think his timetable would his six to eight weeks would put him sometime in mid March, but maybe it'll be a little earlier than that even. So great news on that front. Uh, we haven't really heard, have we heard anything on Lonzo? Uh, I know meniscus surgery. That's tricky. I feel like I haven't seen anything on him at all. Um, yeah. There, I don't think there was, uh, there's been any update except for that. I think he had the surgery, right? Cause I know yeah, that there yeah. was, when he first started sitting out, it, it took a while before he actually even had the surgery yeah. because uh, he had to do like pre-work or whatever to, to get his, I, I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works. I'm not a, I'm not a physical therapist. Yeah. I'm not right, a doctor. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I, I know that he had like work he had to do to uh, before the surgery actually happened. Um, but since it happened, I, I don't think that there's really been any update and the bulls are pretty tight lipped about this stuff anyway. Um, I mean, we didn't know that Derek Jones jr. Was coming back until like, yeah. A, like a, like the day of or like don't know where it's like oh he's questionable oh he's playing okay yeah sounds... and yeah, it was like... that like i tweeted this last night's game like watching him play pains me because like you can see him grabbing his hand literally like every possession down the court yeah, he's clearly finger, hurting your hurts yeah <laughs> yeah he is but they're in down pain. so many bodies that yeah. he's like he's gutting through it which you yeah. know salute to him but that's uh you can tell he's in pain <laughs> He, like yeah. he's uh and i mean given the style of play that he plays like he's he's very much a, like he gets his hands on a lot of balls and like sticking your hands in there like that like when you have a broken finger uh splinted up or not like that's not fun <laughs> yeah, and aggressively dunking I mean, he, he's had like a few huge dunks and then goes right away you can see him grabbing the finger after dunking but because yeah, uh, you don't think about like oh my finger hurts when you're when you're about to do a, a sick dunk and then like as soon as as soon as like the high of like having done the dunk like, <laughs> wears oh, off he's like oh man that hurts yeah anyways good stuff on most of these guys what do you think should I mean, obviously, we're not, again, we're not doctors. Zach, in the All-Star game, do you care? Would you prefer he sits? Uh, well, yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to us what, what us idiots say, but uh, we'll we'll say it anyways. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I respected it being Zach's decision to to do it. I mean, he's worked very hard to, to get to be an All-Star. I know that, like, he wants to try to win the three-point contest yeah. so they can be the only guy that's ever won the dunk contest and three-point contest. Um, I think that's like a little piece of trivia he would like to have. It doesn't himself. bother me if he does a three-point contest, especially that he's been cleared by the doctors. If he yeah. just wants to shoot some threes, like mope around the arc while yeah. doing that kind of be my what, guest. <laughs> what I was going to say about him playing in the all-star game is that uh, <laughs> he doesn't have um, he doesn't have Nick Nurse as the coach of the Eastern <laughs> Conference to, to do ruin it. him like Nurse. Kemba. Yeah, to do what Nurse did to Kemba, which was like play him like 30 minutes in the All-Star game on his like knee that didn't feel good, uh, uh, which, you know, 
<laughs> that is an ultimate competitor move by Nick Nurse. Uh, I, I somewhat res uh, respect the uh, sort of um, savageness of it, but like at the same time, it's also like, come on, man, like, what is that? But Kemba, Kemba has been has been awful basically since then. Like his career has gone totally down the drain since that happened. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, shout out to. Uh, uh, at nice Sheehan, uh, my friend uh, Sam Sheehan uh, from Celtics Twitter, who <laughs> who t tweeted out a, a one of the that funny meme pic of the the kid like uh, straining and being like upset, oh. uh, <laughs> uh, 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 and you know titled it with you know Nick Nurse not being able to to uh, play Zach Levine, not coaching the All Star <laughs> game and not being able to play Zach Levine forty minutes on a bad knee. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't love that he's going to play, but I, I do think that like, as long as they're responsible about it, like if he plays, like if he play gets in there, plays five minutes, throws down a dunk. And then it's like, all right, I, I, I would prefer to go back to resting yeah. now. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, um, he's gotten a nice little bit of rest here. And I do think that like, even though he's going to play in the all-star game, like playing one, not very serious game, uh, over like the next however many days they have uh, before the all-star break is over. Um, I'm not that worried about it. I thought that they did a good job of getting him some rest. And I thought, you know, obviously we talked about DeMar on this crazy run. Part of that is like, he's like, all right, Zach's out. I've got to carry us now. Um, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, Vooch and Kobe and IO have all helped with the carry job without Javante as well. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Javante green. Yeah, he's been he's been really good too. I mean, all the all like the the, the main guys have been very good. Uh, some of the the end of bench guys that have been pushed into bigger roles, not so much. But like <laughs> you know, they're 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 end of bench guys, you know, for a reason. Uh, yeah. So, and that is a perfect transition now to talk about Tristan Thompson, the newest Bulls signing. Uh, they do nothing. We kind of complained about them doing nothing at the trade deadline. Uh, just we thought they maybe could have upgraded those end of bench because I mean, Troy Brown Jr. has been awful. Matt Thomas, unplayable, shouldn't be in the NBA. I mean, Malcolm Hill, Alfonso McKinney. We're assuming Alfonso McKinney is going to be the one that leaves. I don't know if that's been reported or made it official yet, but I mean, those guys, God bless them. Like, they're just not really NBA players at this point. Tony Bradley has been really disappointing as a backup big man. Sorry, were you I was gonna, I was gonna say that I think it's gonna be McKinney just because he's been fully out of the rotation, yeah. lately. Like, he, yeah, like, like Hill still gets some minutes, yeah. Uh, Matt Thomas, uh, why? Well, I, I, I mean, I guess because they, ha they have nobody else, a lot to play, of minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yesterday, um, Matt Thomas, I mean, him and Troy Brown, just, I mean, Troy Brown's like, oh my god, it just pains me to watch. I don't want to rip on them too much. Anyways, yeah. yeah, Tristan Thompson. Bulls signed Tristan Thompson in kind of like hilarious fashion because Rick Carlisle, after Tristan Thompson actually had like a nice game yesterday for the Pacers and a win over the Wizards, 17 points, eight of nine shooting. Uh, Rick Carlisle's like, yeah, like this Tristan's done here with us. He's going to be going to a team up north, starts with a C, ends with a no uh, after his buy. <laughs> it's like, all right. And here's thank you, Rick Carlisle, for breaking this news. Bulls, Bulls signing Tristan Thompson. And he is a guy that once he got traded, or even before that, I mean, he was on the Kings. I'd Feel like he was gonna get might have get bought bought might have got bought out anyways but once he that he was part of the big sabonis halliburton trade that you figured pacers are going nowhere he has no place not, like they don't need him he would get bought out yeah, so i figured building yeah i figured like hey like the bulls need a, some help in the big in the front court here's the guy they should look at i believe he's a clutch client zach levine's a clutch guy there you, you got that uh lonzo's lonzo's clutch too right yeah so you yep. got Obviously, because of the tampering stuff. Uh, so you got, and the Bulls tamper with Tristan Thompson, but uh, 
seemed like a natural, natural guy to sign up. They got him. Again, I don't know how much he really has left. He was good in this last game. Uh, he's only 30, I think 30. I know he's been in the league since he was like 19. He's been, he's had a long career. Obviously taken a lot of beating with those long playoff runs with the Cavs and all that. But like the bar is so low for him to be not, not an impact guy. Like these buyout guys, like you can have the buyout market often gets hyped up and these guys often end up not really being anything. But the, the, the bar is just so low because the Bulls bench, as we just said, is so shitty that if you can be <laughs> like a fraction better than Tony Bradley or any of these other guys, that's good. And so I think Tristan Thompson is a worthwhile gamble. I know he's a bit of a scumbag given his <laughs> off the court pro, uh, extracurriculars and all that. As I mentioned, watch out, ladies of uh, downtown <laughs> Chicago, those clubs. Watch out for Tristan Thompson out there. But uh, on the court, I feel like Tristan could possibly help a little bit. I said he uh, he had a nice game the other day. He's a, he's always been a great rebounder offensively. Can maybe do some stuff in short roll. He's got that nice little flip shot offensive rebounding. Uh, but if you just be a re, off a, a rebounder, give me a little hustle defensively. Like I said, I don't think it's the defender he used to be, but bar is so low. I'm for it. I was calling for it beforehand. What do you what do you think about Tristan Thompson? Yeah, so I saw um uh some fans of other teams kind of clowning on the bulls for signing Tristan. Cause they're like, Oh, he's, he's washed. He's not good anymore. So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've watched a ton of Tristan Thompson, uh, <laughs> Zero, the, last, basically. <laughs> the last few years, because, um, I haven't because, uh, why, you know, why the, would we, the, team, the teams he's been on, like, why would I, why would I be watching that garbage? <laughs> you know, I watched enough garbage basketball the last four years watching right. the Bulls, So I'm not going to go out of my way to watch other bad teams. Um, but so I, I looked at the, some of the int- impact metrics and like his, um, EPM is really bad this year, but like all the other impact metrics, like uh, RAPM and uh, LeBron from Basketball Index, are they're pretty they're pretty fine. Like they're not great, but they're they're fine. Um, and then like the, so, one of the things that I, I think about impact metrics, and, and um, you know, some of this is honestly informed by just how good Demar has been um, uh, overall, and then also in impact metrics this year in a completely different context. Um, is that uh, they are really much more role dependent, I think, um, and how you fit onto a specific team uh, dependent than they are often given credit for. Um, and especially with role players, um, you know, DeMar is not a role player, uh, but he's also in like maybe the most perfect situation league wide that you could, you could build for him, um, which is a credit to our front office that, that they were like, that guy is a perfect fit for what we need. Um, I think Tristan Thompson is, you know, is, he's a bio guy. So like, he's not going to have like an impact like uh, DeMar, but like they, I think what they did was they identified a specific need that this team has. And, uh, you know, my, my uh, podcast, my usual podcast partner, uh, Brian, um, also mentioned this on one of our more recent episodes uh, that the bulls need a goon. They don't have any goons. They don't have any guys that play with physicality and that uh, if you're going to out rebound them, that you're going to have to work for it. Not any big um, goons. I'd call Caruso kind of a goon, but he's obviously a guard yeah. <laughs> when he goes. Yeah. Gremlin. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Trevlin node. Uh, shout out, uh, shout out to uh, Julia Fox, who uh, apparently said that uh, Kanye didn't like it when she went goblin mode. Uh, she needs, she just needs to get, get with AC. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but no uh yeah so they, they need a, a you know a, a big guy that plays with that level of physicality i mean vooch is a good defensive rebounder uh tony bradley is pretty good defensive rebounder but like doesn't necessarily move his feet quite as well in space and he really can't do some of the the stuff offensively as a center that um that billy likes to do like making decisions in the short roll and uh Tristan still has a little bit of that in his game. Um, I went and, you know, watched a few clips of him. Uh, and uh, our, our guy, uh, Laro from Bulls 101, was also posting clips of Tristan helpfully in our DM. <laughs> and he still got, like, a little push shot uh, in the short roll. He can still make decisions. Um, but more than anything, I looked at, like um, – so my friend Ryan Davis has a website called nbashotcharts.com. Uh, it has, you know, the thing that most people go there for is the uh, RAPM numbers, which is like the pure on-off impact stuff um, adjusted for teammates or whatever, but without any of the box score influence that some of the other metrics have. But what he also has on that website, which is useful, is he has the um, adjusted four factors. Uh, so you can look at like a guy's impact to... Um, opponent and team shooting uh and also uh you know the impact to free throw rate and impact to rebounding um and whatever the fourth factor is that i'm thinking of oh turnovers um and tristan is still an elite impact guy on uh the glass so on both ends and that is the bull's biggest need um and i think uh the other thing that like people that were kind of like laughing about this uh signing don't really get is that like um to the extent that Tristan is uh maybe has a little bit of a reputation for complaining about minutes and things like that he's a bio guy like he the bulls have really nothing invested in him yeah all right low risk um, total low and risk so yeah. if he's complaining about his role or his minutes or whatever cut his they can ass. just cut him <laughs> yeah uh so that's different and then, but like the other thing is is that like again because he's a bio guy he's not changing the bulls life or their destiny, but he does. Um, one thing that I really like about this roster, uh, and it goes to the point that you were making about, like when you were asking about like Kobe, how many minutes should he play? How many minutes should I play? Like all the, the abundance of like uh, guards that they have. And, and like, I, I would say guards that can play up to wing uh, because I think Lonzo can play wing. I think Caruso yeah. guards wings. Well, uh, IO is wing sized. Um, Javante is six, four, but guards power forwards, like all of their guards are versatile in that way. Um, but like, I think what the bulls lacked before they signed Tristan was, uh, that same sort of versatility to play different styles, um, for the playoffs. And I think that he gives them a little bit more of that because if they're getting hammered on the glass, when Vooch is sitting, um, because I don't know, maybe, maybe Tony Bradley has a tough matchup where he can't box the guy out because he's too quick because uh, Tony's strong, but he's not, you know, his, his feet are pretty heavy. Uh, Tristan Thompson, uh, he's slowed down a bit. He's older, but like, he's still very effective at boxing guys out. Um, and I, I think that, you know, in the best case scenario, he gives them a, an extra look, an extra wrinkle that they don't currently have. And if, if it doesn't work out, you didn't really sacrifice anything like yeah. cutting, you know, salute to Alfonso McKinney. I'm glad, glad for him that he got like, town his guy. Yeah. Yeah. That he got his guaranteed money. He got a guaranteed contract after having like a good couple of games early in the season, you know, happy to have had him, but like, 
if the cost is losing that guy and you're picking up a guy that can fill a, fill a specific need that you have. Um, and, and like the, the downside is, Oh, well, we lost Alfonso McKinney. He's not going to play for us in the playoffs anyway. And there's a chance that Tristan can. And I think that that is, uh, you know, the, it's basically all upside, no downside for this signing. Yeah, totally agree. Any other bu- of these buyout guys, like, do you want, would you want Dragic? I guess I don't, he's another guy. Like, I don't know how much he actually has left. I, Gary Harris would have been nice, but it does not look like he is going to get bought out by the Magic. Did you, I mean, did you see the Did you see the video of at the end of the the um, the uh, I think it was Nuggets Magic game recently that Jokic was like very clearly telling Gary to come back. Oh, right. I like, did not see that. <laughs> he was like, "You should come back," and so he's like trying to convince him to take a buyout so that he can go back to Denver. Yeah, I mean that would be the nut that Nuggets bench is like arguably the worst in the league. Uh, so that would be a good move yeah. for them too. Uh, yeah, but any of these other guys? Oh, like I'm again. I just I want no more Matt Thomas in my life. But right now, like I yeah, don't have I mean, anybody. I would take. I would take. I would take Dragic specifically for that reason because, like, he, he he can't be worse than Matt Thomas. Yeah, like, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, he there, he was pretty good with the Heat the last few years. It's not going to help the defense, but like, he's thirty five. But I mean, he cannot be worse than Matt. Is basically just the point here. Give me somebody better than Matt Thomas in the backcourt for the next month before these other before these guys come back. But I yeah. guess we'll see. I guess I don't think I haven't seen any of these other like main names sign anywhere else. And we saw DeAndre Bembry go to the with the Bucks. He got. I think he's hurt already or was hurt, but uh, yeah, I was a little into the DeAndre Bembry because like, I mean, uh, I think he's like basically Troy Brown Jr., but like maybe a little bit better, like yeah. slightly, slightly better shooter, um, more actually good on defense instead of just a guy that has good tools and looks like he should be good at defense. Um, but like, no, he's not really in a different class of player than than uh troy uh i mean if he was he wouldn't have gotten cut by the nets (laughs) um but uh yeah i wouldn't have hated that the other options like that's the thing is like a lot of guys still haven't been bought out right there's you know all this talk of like um i mean i even i think tweeted you know that tristan wouldn't have been necessarily my first choice to be like their goon like rebounder guy but like None of the other guys have gotten bought out. <laughs> yeah, like if you're thinking like Derek Favors, like he's the one on the Thunder, like that would have been a decent option. But it doesn't seem like he's going to be bought out. He doesn't, like, he doesn't want to be bought out because the Thunder are like twenty three million dollars under the salary floor. So every one of their players is basically going to get like almost a free two million dollars at the end go. of the season. So he's like, no, I'm getting that extra money. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting bought out. <laughs> Crazy. And then like, yeah, and then like other guys, like I mean, there was the Dennis Schroeder stuff before the deadline is a trade i don't know if the rockets are going to buy him out like bledsoe on the blazers like i hate i've hated eric bledsoe just watching him for several years just like annoys me watching him but like i would take him as a backup for and for a little bit here just a little defense and yeah, being better I mean, than matt thomas like that's what it comes down to yeah, he, it doesn't seem like you, any of these guys are gonna get bought out maybe they will but as yeah, of right now bledsoe gives you different strengths and weaknesses than matt thomas i mean i yeah. think he's better than matt thomas but like He's a way worse shooter than Thomas, yeah. even though like it feels like Matt misses a lot of like wide open looks uh, and doesn't shoot sometimes when it's like, dude, you're on it's the like you're one, you have one job, <laughs> one job. Yeah, he loves to he loves to turn down open three pointers and then dribble into more difficult two pointers for some reason. It's like you are a catch and shoot guy, literally yeah. catch the ball and shoot it. Uh, other than that, don't do anything. Um, but uh, but Bledsoe, like, I mean, we I think we touched on it kind of uh very briefly but like all of the games that the bulls have had basically since caruso went out have all been shootouts i think yeah. they are like 
I think of their last like 13 or 14 games, uh, I looked at this a couple games ago, but like every game, even the games since the last time I looked at it, uh, they've continued to be shootouts. So I would be shocked if this wasn't still the case, but like only two of the games since Caruso went out, did their over under go under, they've been going over every time because they're scoring at a crazy rate because they have to, and they can't stop anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that like Bledsoe would give you a little bit better point of attack defense, not a little bit, a lot better point of defect, uh, point of attack defense than Matt Thomas. Um, but, you know, offensively Bledsoe is really bad um, and has been for, for years, but like, would he be an upgrade over Matt Thomas? Yes. So would I take him? Yes. <laughs> Basically. Uh, Where this point, it's like, we'll take anybody. I think we brought up like DJ. Same thing with, same thing with, uh, with Schroeder. Schroeder. Yeah. Um, like I would take him. Billy has a, has a good relationship with him. It seems like, uh, so like if Billy basically like what, whoever the, the front office gets, I'm at the point of like, I mostly f- trust the front office. Like they're only real miss. Uh, I think, um, since they started really revamping the team, I would say is, well, maybe, maybe get, keeping Matt Thomas in the first place, <laughs> but, uh, the, no, I think that the only real miss that I think that they've had is, uh, drafting Marco. Cause like, it seems like he can't play at this level. And then they gave him a guaranteed contract. But if that, all of that, it turns out to be just like you know, a favor to, to, yeah, a favor <laughs> to Nikola Jokic's agent. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of, uh, miss that I'm, uh, you know, air quoting, uh, sure. that's the kind of miss that I'm, that I am into. So, yeah, I, um, I trust what they're going to do. Basically, yeah. is what I'll say. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap up here with just we're at the All Star break. They are thirty-eight and twenty-one. They're in first place as of right now. The Miami Heat play the Hornets tonight. The Heat can get back into first with a win tonight. But either way, at at worst, the Bulls are heading in the All Star break, tied for first in the Eastern Eastern Conference. Pretty crazy considering like the over the, where they were a couple weeks ago. Everyone's dead. <laughs> they were losing games. It looked like they were going to stumble. I was worried they were going to fall down to like fifth or sixth at some point, but nope, here they are at number one. Uh, the schedule coming out of the break will be much more difficult. They are getting a bit healthier now, so we'll see where things stand then. But just like, it's first of all, it's just crazy that, that this is where they're at. Looking at this Eastern Conference, as we teased this earlier, the Eastern Conference is just an absolute bitch right now. Like, there's no, in the West, there's no like, and the West has three like elite teams. And then you have like the jazz who are total, total clown frauds as evidenced again <laughs> by their, another choke job against the Lakers without AD last night. And then like the rest of the West is just kind of crap. The East has legit seven, eight, like really damn good teams all kind of bunched up because especially with the Celtics finding their groove and the Celtics have been like the best defense in the NBA. They lost the Pistons last night, but I'll chalk that up to like, end up going into the break weirdness. The Celtics are looking like a dangerous team. The Raptors are a We know they're a pain in the ass. They've been a lot better lately. And then, I mean, you, the Sixers have James Harden now, the Nets, well, they'll get KD back. They have Ben Simmons. Now the Bucks have Giannis and the defending champs, the heat uh, are just a very deep well-coached team. They're, that are loaded. We got the Bulls. Um, who am I missing? Am I missing anybody of these top teams? I don't even know. Either way, uh, a lot I of damn. Covered, good... I, did you you mentioned the Heat, right? I yeah, didn't you mention the heat. them. At, yeah, Heat. Yeah, yeah it's what Bulls Heat at the top, and you got Bucks. Net. Well, the Nets are down right now. I guess they're in the they're in the play-in yeah. right now. They're, yeah, they're, right. Exactly. They're in hell. <laughs> yeah. Either way, just all these t- oh Cavs, Cavs, the other yes. team, uh, Tabs and Miss, who are young, but Darius Garland's awesome, Jared Allen, awesome, Evan Mobley, awesome. Uh, there's there's match a problem with their size. 
So just like looking at the East, like, and just like think looking ahead to a possible like first round match. It was like, even like, what if the Bulls, like, we'll see what happens with the Nets and like when they get these guys all together, like, what if the Bulls like somehow got the one, which I don't know if they're going to do, like, this upcoming schedule is brutal, but like, if they somehow got one or two and then got stuck playing like the fucking healthy Nets, like coming out of a play in tournament, that'd be brutal. But like, you look at all these other matchups, you go through all of them, like, they haven't, they have never beaten Joel Embiid in his life. And now they have James Harden, motiv- motivated James Harden. The Bucks, again, Giannis. Uh, I think it sounds like they're going to get Brooke Lopez back. They just traded for Serge Ibaka. Don't know how much he has left, but they did get some more size in there. And it does seem like they're going to get Brooke back. And they have Giannis, who is arguably keep, the best player in the world right now. They keep again, saying they're going to get Brooke back, but I don't, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. I mean, the book, the back stuff was, it was a back thing with him, right? Yeah. He had back surgery. Yeah. So like, that's tough, but just like looking ahead at all these teams, it's just like, do I want them to play them? No. Do I want them to play them? No, not really. So like who, like, I I guess if you could like, I don't even want to say rank, but like, who would you want to see, I guess, most in a first round series? So I think that the, I think that it's gotta be either the Cavs or the Raptors. Um, the, The Raptors are really annoying to play. Um, they just got Thad, our guy. Thad yeah. Uh, yeah. And that part would suck too. Like having to, to, you know, be like, sorry, Thad, <laughs> but like, uh, um, but I, I think so for the Cavs, I will say that they have not been quite as good without Ricky Rubio. Um, I, I, I did love the Karis Levert trade for them just cause I, I was, I had heard some rumors that they were looking at trying to trade for CJ. And even though, Garland and CJ is kind of tough defensively because they're both so small. It's like the Dame and CJ thing all over covered again. with Allen and Mobley. Yeah, having having Allen and Mobley and even like just Lowry's length. Like Lowry's not a good defensive player, but like if you're gonna play two little guards, if you have insane length three seven at, footers at the other yeah, three positions. at every other position, and like, then or Isaac Okoro as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I liked the idea of them getting CJ a little bit better just because CJ, I think, is, is better just, than Levert. He's, he's just a better player than Karis <laughs> yeah. Levert uh, and also better as like a bucket getter, which is like what they were trying to, yeah. to accomplish. Um, I think that they went with Karis partially for money reasons and partially because he's a little bit younger. Um, I, and I, also, I think his contract might be also slightly longer than CJ's. I'm not really sure how, much, I thought, how many more. I days. thought he was up for... A new deal next year? I might. I don't. I'm not sure this contract is either. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Bad job by me to not be researched on this, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. I mean, I I didn't love the Karis get for them, but like he does give them a secondary uh shot creator for if they, they needed a little more juice when Garland is either not playing or just with them. I know. I think their offense without Garland has been just like dog shit, like really yeah. bad. Yeah, they're they're backup. Uh, guard options are, are not great even with like getting rondo to like try to replicate the what they the with magic that they had with yeah. with rubio it, it's not quite the same um but uh so i think they're a little bit weaker than their overall like season numbers suggest because they did lose rubio um and i think that you can maybe bait karis into taking uh to into karis trying to get into like a shot making contest with demar and like uh, I will take Demar <laughs> in that scenario every time. Uh, like, so I, I think in the, just the inexperience of Garland and, and Mobley, like it usually takes guys a couple of years. Um, I think Mobley is like the closest thing that we've seen to like uh, a Tim Duncan, Kevin Durant type talent in the league. So 
it wouldn't totally surprise me if like they actually went on a run in the playoffs. Cause I think Mobley is that good. Uh, and they, you know, Jared Allen is also, you know, incredibly good. And Darius Garland is like, reminds me of like, Steve, like it's like Steve Nash is back in the league. Um, so like, it's a really good team, but I just think that like the experience level is just not quite there. Um, and I would bet on the bulls in that series, I think. Uh, and then the Raptors, the Raptors are annoying, but I don't think the Raptors are talented enough. Uh, they really struggle to score the ball. Like they, they, when they beat the bulls most recently, they, they beat the bulls because they pummeled like, them inside. Yeah. They had like, I think like, I think they had like 113 shot attempts or something because they just kept getting turnovers and extra possessions off of rebounds. And, uh, but they couldn't score against the bulls and it wasn't even like the bulls defense like at this point, like that Bulls defense was particularly good because, you know, it was where we were out a lot of our defensive players. Um, so I think the Raps are annoying to play against. I also think that the, the Raps this year have a little bit of like the, um, the Thibodeau team thing. I mean, they're all, yeah, playing. I mean, they're playing, yeah, 40 minutes a night, like all their starters. Yeah. So like, I think he's kind of maxing them out and to the, to a certain extent so that they don't necessarily like, I, most teams have like a playoff gear that they can go to because they're by just simply by ramping their stars up in minutes. Um, but the Raptors are playing all their best guys. You know, they're playing like a six, seven, maybe eight man rotation on, on like a good night, but like they're playing pretty much a seven man rotation. Uh, and that to me suggests that like, they don't have the juice to go up a level in the playoffs um, and I also just think that you, you need more bucket getting, more scoring. Fred Van Vliet is really good, but he's not a rim pressure guy. And you need somebody that's going to pressure the rim uh, against playoff defenses. And I just, I, I have my doubts about them. So I, I would probably pick one of those two uh, as the, the optimal sort of Bulls matchup. But both of those teams are going to be a pain in the ass to beat. Right. Like, yeah. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. Like there, yeah, no, there's just going to be no like easy, like a lot of times, especially in the East, if you get the one or two seed, you usually you're getting like a cupcake first round matchup. I feel like that's just not going to be the case for any of these teams. But there's also just like no, none of these teams are have been dominant at least regular season wise. Like, and you would think like if the Nets do have all their guys, like they look, but they, they're in the bottom. They're at the bottom of the standings. Like they might gonna... not. Depending on when KD gets back and when Ben Simmons decides that like he's sat out enough time to like for his arbitration claim against the Sixers to have a chance, like. Uh, depending on when those guys get back uh, and if Kyrie is allowed to like, they might not even like if they're in a play in game against the Raptors in Toronto, they're going to lose because <laughs> they're not going to have Kyrie and like, like KD Ben Simmons and like the kind of, well, I guess they have Seth Curry. They did too. get like Seth, that, which was nice. Yeah, they got they got Andre Drummond now too. <laughs> yeah, that might not that might be enough bodies to beat the Raptors in a in a single elimination game just because KD is incredible. If it's just KD, yeah, yeah. I, I would pick um, the Nets in that even without Kyrie like, there. But they could fall out of the playoffs depending on how long it takes Kevin Durant could, to come back. Yeah. And he's he like not just out of the playoffs but out of the play in. Like they could just not get in at all. Um, and that would be ideal, honestly, <laughs> because that just like takes a on paper contender. Uh, out of the picture. Um, I'm a little dubious about the Sixers too. I mean, we, the Bulls can't beat Joel Embiid seemingly, but I don't love the fit between him and Harden. They both want the ball. Harden doesn't do anything when he doesn't have the ball. Harden is not that good of a shooter. 
Um, and they gave up Seth Curry, who was like, had like a real synergy with Embiid. Um, Seth is a better shooter than him, but like, it was very much like uh, the relationship that he had with JJ Redick with all the, like the dribble handoffs and like uh, Joel getting just through being huge and his, you know, scoring gravity, uh, just drawing a lot of attention uh, and getting, Seth uh, loose for really open looks like it's very similar stuff to what they did with JJ Redick um, and you're not going to get any of that with Harden because he that's not the kind of player he is uh, and so and then they don't really have a lot of like good shooters that are off the ball like Tobias is like a pretty good shooter but he doesn't really shoot threes he like refuses to shoot more than five a game uh, Danny Green's solid not great. Danny Green's solid, solid, but he's like very streaky. Kind of, yeah. Um, freaking course Corkmaz like <laughs> shoots like Seth. Is a I mean, bulls uh, killer. It yeah, sucks he, against everybody else. That's what I was saying. All three Sixers losses this year have just been like followed the same script of really annoyingness. Where like they can't MB just fucking dominates the Bulls. Like kind of hang around anyways, but then they're all their role guys shoot like fifty percent from three, and the Bulls lose by whatever, like five to ten points. Like that, yeah. like all three games have been just like that this season. Super annoying. Yeah, yeah I think that they lost. Um, like I said, they lost Seth, who's a good shooter. They lost their backup center. Uh, they lost Drummond, who's like the best backup Embiid had ever had, which I don't think is insignificant because Doc loves to play all bench lineups, even in the playoffs, because Doc is a horrible, horrible coach. And like the, <laughs> and the just as a side note, Doc being on the the top fifth coaches of all time list is a total joke doc might be the worst playoff coach of all time like if you look at a lot of blown leads a lot of blown leads a lot of like teams that underachieve their talent like even the celtics year that they won the championship like that team was a historically dominant regular season team basically just on their talent uh and they went to seven games in the first round against like a team that wasn't in their weight class in terms of like talent uh but yeah i mean doc is just horrible at <laughs> the the adjustments and lineups and like all the little things that you need to do to be a good playoff coach he's just bad so that's the one thing that's the one area where like the sixers scare me just because the bulls can't beat and beat <laughs> but like i also i'm just like well harden's a playoff choker doc is a playoff choker um, you know, maybe maybe they're the the weak link, even though people are talking them up as like a title. Contender. A lot of it, yeah. I mean, the Harden thing is just, I mean, fascinating because he clearly tanked with the Nets. Like, and it, the, the reporting out there it sounds like he tanked basically from the start of the season. Uh, and I mean, he looked bad. I mean, so th- that was it the second Bulls game. He was like embarrassingly bad. Uh, mm-hmm. The Bulls when the Bulls beat them a couple times early in the year, and like the last game he played with the Nets. I know he had this hamstring thing. Uh, but and just not not even bit trying to try like at all, just embarrassing stuff. He tanked. So like, is he actually gonna be motivated, or is he actually like legitimately lost like multiple steps here? Because I mean, you look at his numbers; he's still a great passer. Uh, he still has his moments where he can still kill you in isolation. But like, he's shooting barely like above forty percent. The three point shooting has not been very good. So like, if he is just like kind of like good, like but like not MVP good. Yeah, maybe or it'll be interesting just because the bulls can't fucking beat Embiid. it's just insane it's, <laughs> i need to see them beat that guy for me to yeah. feel good about beating them in a playoff series and winning actually four games against them um yeah. what do you make of miami like they've they've they're 30 again they're 37 and 21 again they're well coached jimmy's awesome bam's awesome they got kyle lowry i feel like one issue like i am curious about their half court offense in late in playoff games was jimmy's good but he's not, I mean, and he had he's had his moments where he does go get you buckets. 
but I feel like he's not as like, he's not as good as Demar as like an offensive scorer. There are times where he kind of where he's not he's just not aggressive enough. Like sometimes he has games like I feel like even the finals when he had like a few of those huge games and like the other games he would be like way too he would uh, defer too much. He kind of sometimes mm-hmm. oscillates back and forth. Bam's obviously great, but in terms of like going to get you buckets, it's not really his game. Lowry, not really either. Like they got Tyler Hero. Like, I mean, is this like a situation where like they need Tyler Hero to put up to just like go in flames? Duncan Robinson's been like hit or miss. They've got, they, they find all these, they pull all these other guys out of the ass. Max Struess, Gabe Vincent. They've been playing like Omer, you're at seven. Like they, they've had a ton of injuries, ton of COVID problems, like kind of like the Bulls and, they're, here they are as well, right up there at the top of the East. But they are just like so well coached, two way team. Uh, so like, I don't know if I'd feel good about playing them either. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't feel great about it. I think that the Bulls will be, you know, knock on all the wood. Uh, I think the Bulls will be a high enough seed that they wouldn't see Miami until at least the second round, uh, in all likelihood. Um, you know, their schedule is incredibly tough. Uh, the rest of the way, I think I saw today that um, I think it was the, they have the second toughest schedule. Um, the, I mean, it all depends on how you measure it, but um, but they have the on paper they have the second toughest schedule. You know, the, the rest of the season, um, but they've won. You know, at a rate that's put them at the top of the East, even with you know uh, so many games missed by their starters. Uh, so. I, I think that, you know, as they start to get guys back, uh, they'll probably still keep winning. So I think they'll be up pretty high. Miami does scare me, though. Um, not so much their roster, because, like, um, I do think that they may struggle to score uh, in the playoffs against really good defenses. And I think when the Bulls are healthy, they are a really good defense. Uh, I They just scare me because Eric Spolstra is a genius. <laughs> and, like, um, he pretty much always has something uh, cooked up that uh, makes the other team react. And Billy's a really good coach. Uh, Billy also has not been out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, He had some, I think, pretty talented Thunder teams. Um, And I don't think he ever like had a series where he got totally out coached, but you know, uh, we've seen Spolstra beat teams that he shouldn't have beaten um, just largely on him you know, coaching circles around other good NBA coaches. Um, I mean, I, th- I think Spolstra in the bubble, especially um, really made Brad Stevens look bad. Uh, and Brad Stevens is a good coach. Like he's not a bad coach uh, at all. Um, and Spolstra was just two steps ahead of him. It felt like that whole series. Um, so that's the thing that makes me the most nervous about the heat. The heat though. I mean, we'll see if they're healthy at playoff time. They got like a pretty old roster in terms of their, their main guys. Uh, Bam's young, but like Lowry's pretty old. Lowry banged up a lot. Yeah. They, they, they're often like playing with some issues here and there. Uh, and they play really hard. They play a very physical style that like Tucker. I feel like they had, I forgot they had PJ Tucker. (laughs) PJ Tucker. uh, All I'm going to say is PJ Tucker, like all of a sudden being not washed once he gets to Miami. They need to they need to do some sort of Balco style investigation. <laughs> You're right. He did look washed. What I mean, a couple of years, well, the same thing happened, was, or even last year. I don't even remember when it was. The same like, thing happened with Dragic. Like he was like totally washed. He they Miami traded for him, and all of a sudden he looked looked like an all star again. It was like, 
Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm sure their conditioning regimen is just that much better than the rest of the NBA. Anyways, um, that's my that's my conspiracy theory about the Heat and uh, what what heat what heat culture is actually about is uh, just doing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is Miami, so uh, yeah. Uh, all right, finish up officially. So I guess just to put, where do you th- how many wins do you think the Bulls end up with? This they're 38 and tw- 38 and 21, right? So we got what twenty three games left. Schedule is very difficult. Do you think they get to fifty? Yeah, no, I think the I, I think they definitely win at a better rate than. Uh, I think to, they need to win twelve out of the last 23 twenty three. Basically, go five hundred to get to fifty. Yeah, I think they do that. I think they can. Um, they they've been playing, they've been basically on pace all year. Uh, no matter how I cut the numbers. <laughs> Uh, they look like a 50 win team all year. I don't see any reason to doubt that they do that, even with a tough schedule, because they've managed to, to hold the line, even as they were just down so many bodies. I think as they start to get, like when they get Caruso back is when I think they're really going to take off. Like Lonzo, (laughs) it seems, it seems dumb to say this, but like Lonzo is almost a luxury. (laughs) Like when he gets back, it'll be really nice. But like Caruso, I said it, I forget if I said it on, on the podcast or if I said it in a text to Ricky or if I tweeted it, but I, I said at some point that Caruso is basically the bull's Draymond. Like he makes that defense work because uh, even just being on the bench, like you could see him like coaching up IO. <laughs> he can't play, but like, he's, he's still, you know, yelling things from the bench, but like when he's on the floor, it's, it's a big difference. Um, and like Lonzo is also a big part of the defense being good, but I think that Caruso is one of the most impactful guard defenders in the league. Um, most of the impact stats back that up. Yeah. And I think when they get him back, they're going to like really take off because the offense, like Vooch and DeMar are really cooking uh, offensively. I think, you know, Zach is, has been really consistent, even being in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, the Minnesota game where he looked really hurt, notwithstanding. Um so I think Kobe's that Kobe's like, in flames. If he can, if Kobe can keep it up too, I mean, just another weapon. Yeah, yeah. If they if they can come close to maintaining how good they've been offensively in the in the last like thirteen or fourteen games since Caruso got hurt, um, and, and he brings what he usually brings to the offense, uh, they're gonna they're gonna win a lot of games down the stretch. Um, and I, I'm hopeful that Alex will be back. You know maybe a game or two after the all-star break um, because they did say he's going to be dribbling and all that um, within like a week. And, you know, we've got about a week here for the all-star break. So, you know, uh, hopefully he'll be back shortly after that. And I I think they'll really take, I mean, they've been, you know, they won five games in a row, but I think they're really going to take off in terms of like, you know, some of the net rating and things like that um, as they get uh, Caruso back. I do have my concerns about just the schedule coming up. It's tough. Yeah, it is. So like, I think around 50 is probably where I'd be, which would be great because that's basically where I pegged them when I did my preseason uh, <laughs> schedule thing. If they land right on 50, it'd be nice to obviously be a little better if they get into low to even mid 50s, if they really do like really take off, but uh, hopefully they can at least get to 50. That'd be nice. And then we'll, again, the East is just so jumbled. We'll see where it shakes out. Uh, it could depend. So much could depend on that first round matchup, but uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun for them to be in the spot. It's wild again, that they're at this in this spot with all the injuries and all the COVID and just all the fucking weirdness that's gone on to be at 38 and 21 at the all-star break as we're coming into it right now is awesome. So it's been so much fun. We've enjoyed talking about it. 
in our in our group DM. It's been always been active like every day. And it's nice to actually have not just be like whining about Jim Boylan being an idiot or <laughs> or all that st- or just bad players being bums. Uh, we actually get to talk about good basketball. So that's been great. We should probably wrap it up now. We've been rambling on here for a while, but we had a lot of stuff to talk about. So uh, this was great. Thank you again for uh, doing this with uh, me today uh, with Ricky Absolutely. out. Give a shout out to well, obviously where we could find you online and your pod and all that good stuff. Yeah. So um, I'm at NBA Couchside um, on Twitter. Uh, my, the podcast is uh, Dennis Podman. Uh, the release schedule is not as consistent as cash considerations. I will, I will say that uh, you guys are better about getting episodes out. Um, but uh, yeah. And you can also follow the podcast at Dennis Podman on Twitter. Um, I tweet from there sometimes, but mostly it's at NBA Couchside. Um, and yeah, the download the podcast, rate it and review it. Um, really would appreciate that. I, uh, I, I'm really bad about asking people to do that. Like <laughs> when, when I'm doing my show, but, uh, now that I'm, you know, think, I mean the, the, the branding and promoting mode here at the end of the podcast, uh, uh, rate and review it and, and subscribe. Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me on it. It's, uh, it's, it's good to be a bulls fan today. Cause, uh, the bulls, I don't know if you've heard Jason, they're back. They are back. And uh, I will also say, please, rate and review, five-star ratings for cash considerations. Uh, that always helps. Uh, and as always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network for uh, being great for cash considerations. And please, with we got the All-Star break coming up. There'll be a ton of great coverage all across the Blue Wire Network with NBA stuff and all the other great pods all across the Blue Wire Network. So thanks again to Kevin for joining me. Me and Ricky will be back sometime next week after the All-Star game. Let's pray that Zach Levine gets through. Well, let's root for him to win the three-point contest. I hope he gets through that and the all-star game, no injuries. Let's get this team healthy, get ready for the again, quote unquote, second half of the season, the back half of the season after the all-star break. Uh, so once again, this has been cash Considerations special crossover episode with Dennis Podman. We'll talk to you guys, or I will talk to you guys next time. And again, look out for Kevin's next pod as well. Take it easy guys.